Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of Have a Little. I'm going to be staying in the Christmas zone, the uh, holiday season feel for the next few shows. I had set up a couple interviews, but some folks have been under the weather, so we're going to redo that uh, right after the first of the year. Looking forward to it. Um, but this show is, uh, is, is pretty interesting. Uh, and um, I seem to follow up on the history of music and bands in so many ways that I know a lot of information that I think a lot of folks don't really even care about. But I've been told that it's uh, a pretty good, good idea to do things like a did you know. And um, this is one of those shows. Just recently, uh, when I was back in Connecticut uh, for my nephew's wedding, my uh, better half, Lori, got me uh, a ticket and we went to see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Now, if you're not familiar with this uh, band, uh, you've probably heard their music on uh, the radio, uh, usually around Christmas time. They've done other stuff, too. But uh, most of their notable stuff is for the holidays. Um, amazing, uh, like, orchestrations with heavy metal guitars and all that, like that whole rock opera thing. But a lot of the misconception is a lot of folks think this band is from, you know, Europe and all that. They basically started out in New York and Florida. And uh, part of uh, the heavy metal scene a group known as Sabotage, and I'll, I'll explain a little bit more here. But it was the concept, it was conceived by a gentleman who is now, the, the, sadly, the late Paul O'Neill. His idea was to create a progressive music experience that would push boundaries like no other band before. And with more than 10 million albums sold, one of the top touring acts noted by Billboard. They've played to over 100 million people, and they've donated from the sales of their tickets over $10 million to different charities, which is pretty impressive. And uh, the show they put on is just amazing. I was just blown away. Now, I've seen them before, but this recent show, this year's uh, production of it, was the best I've seen yet, you know, and there's the question and uh, the wondering, are these folks really playing? Uh, are they lip syncing? No, these, these people are singing. There was like eight, nine different vocalists that would circulate through the show. Um, two guitarists, bass, uh, several keyboards, electric violin. There was even a smaller string section. And the cool thing I thought, I thought about the show was they were, they're using string, uh, musicians from the local areas where they're playing, which is pretty cool. So Paul O'Neill was a genius. Uh, he began his career as a guitarist and he toured with uh, shows like Jesus Christ Superstar and Hair. And then he later went on to work uh, in a New York based management company. In the 1980s, he became a major concert promoter in the country of Japan. Then he returned to the States to write and produce full-time. So he worked with a whole bunch of different folks. And one of the most notable was uh, he worked with Aerosmith on their live classics live albums. 
And uh, then he started a relationship, a, a major relationship with the band Sabotage. If you're not familiar with them, they were out there playing like uh, rock, uh, heavy rock stuff and uh, metal, basically. And their whole concept was uh, they were like rock opera songs. And uh, he started working with Sabotage on pieces such as uh, Hall of the Mountain King, the Gutter Ballet, and a concept Streets, which was a rock opera. And uh, Paul started the, the, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra with the band members from Sabotage. John Oliva, Bob Kinkle, and Al Petrelli. This uh, this all helped create Paul's grand vision, combining the forms of The Who, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, Queen, and the lights that were influenced by Pink Floyd shows. His rock uh, opera concept came together with these gentlemen from that group. Now, their early recordings uh, received platinum certificates with several of their recordings in the 1990s. And they uh, began uh, cementing their live shows uh, and uh, starting on tour in 1999. Now, the group uh, began an annual November-December tradition. Now, with their pyro, their lights, the lasers, there is never a bad seat in the house either. We, we had perfect seats for this show uh, when we, we recently seen, seen them. And the spirit of the group continues to morph with so many different talented members through the years, um, even uh, using, again, as I mentioned, local players in each city. And I'm sure you are very familiar with some of their stuff. Uh, just turn on uh, any of the radio stations right now that are playing the holiday music, and you are going to hear the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And uh, Paul sadly passed away um, recently, but his concept, uh, just con- it just continues entertaining people all over the world. And one of the coolest things about it, guitarist Al Petrelli has been there from the beginning, dating back to 1995. He is still performing with the band. And one of the most asked questions that I've seen on the li- online, on the internet, you know, on websites and all that, is how they got the name Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Of course, being based out of the United States, how does this Trans-Siberian Orchestra come come to fruition? Well, Paul uh, mentioned that he named it after the railroad in Siberia, which was a symbol of hope in a, a harsh, for, unforgiving place. So it was named after a railroad, basically uh, in Siberia, which is pretty cool. So that's the story of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I could have gotten into a little more detail about it, but uh, it's just really cool if you get a chance to check them out live. What an amazing show. And their music is just, oh, it's just mind-boggling. The concept was so great. Uh, The show basically this year was like a greatest hits of all the things they've done over the years. And they also do... A, uh, it's like a musical, um, again, a rock opera, which features a, um, a host who uh, tells you the story 
um, behind one of the concept albums. And it's just so neat. So if you get out there, uh, get a chance to, to see them. Trans-Siberian Orchestra, amazing. You know, it's kind of like, you know, learning about them and how you now know where they came from and who was involved. It's like, uh, it's like the band Journey, my, one of my favorites. They actually were formed from the band Santana, if, if you uh, weren't aware of that. I know I've mentioned it on sh- other shows, but this is just another example. You know, Santana, out of Santana came Greg Raleigh and Neil Shaw. And they got together, formed the band Journey. And uh, in the early days, uh, if you listen to some of the early 1970s, early 70s stuff before um, before Steve Perry joined the band, they were a rock fusion jazz band. And they, they relied on a lot of instrumental stuff. So if you go back and listen to the first three albums by Journey, it's mostly instrumental stuff with just a few vocal pieces here and there. One of their singles, um, I believe early uh, well hits or singles for them, uh, was a remake of an old Beatles song, too. And then uh, when the record label was looking for something better, <laughs> they told them they needed to... Uh, to, to do something to make uh, some sales. And uh, their uh, manager, Herbie Herbert, came up with uh, the, the concept they were going to get a lead vocalist. And that's how Steve Perry got into the band. He basically told them, this is your singer. You're going to move forward with him. And uh, they weren't too keen on that, but it all worked out in the long run for sure, which is really cool. And uh, they, uh, the, the band actually went in to uh, do vocal training, too, to help harmonize when Steve joined the band, which was really, really neat. So little things like that, the did you know stuff. And coming up on my next, uh, my next uh, show, it's going to be called Elvis, Ronnie, and Me. And it's all about my uh, my stint in the Ronnie McDowell band. But I'm also going to tell you about the um, Elvis Presley Christmas recordings and tell you a little bit about RCA Studios and, and how he used to do things. And then I'll introduce you to Ronnie McDowell if you didn't uh, have any idea who, if you don't have any idea who he is, uh, amazing artist. And uh, I was honored and blessed to be able to tour with Ronnie for a little while. And uh, it was just at the right place at the right time. So that's the next show coming up here. Um, I am uh, moving forward with my stuff. Um, got my studio booked. I think I mentioned on the last show. Um, I just started doing some demo stuff here at the house. I've got my uh, little jazz kit set up for some of the instrumental stuff I'm working on. And just uh, looking forward to it. And I uh, got one more concert that I'm going to this year. Leanne Rimes which I'm really excited about. Uh, um, you know, the, the possibility of even getting on stage uh, has come up with a couple of friends through the business. Um, but uh, that's just in an emergency situation. So uh, who knows? You never know what can happen in Nashville. So uh, I want to thank everybody again for listening and uh, wishing you a wonderful holiday season. You know, stay tuned there. And uh, we're going to be back with another show next week. And then we're going to wind up this year with my uh, tradition of the three trees story, which I love. It's a pretty emotional thing for me. I really enjoy sharing that with you. So make sure you have a lot of hope, a lot of faith, and you're doing everything you love. And make sure you tell someone you love them. 
And thanks again for listening to Have a Little.